We're in a series here called Laying Hold. Laying Hold, and we are talking about what it means to have a prayer that's on fire, a prayer life where we're going after our God with all we've got. And uh, man, we've been talking through different facets of laying hold. We've been talking about what it means to make sure that we in our soul get the whole of what this thing is about, right? And so we keep going back to the quote from Warren Wearsby, it's not laying hold of God's reluctance, it's laying hold of God's willingness. Do you understand and believe that God loves you? He's got your best in mind for you. And he's working you through a plan and a process. God loves you. He is so willing to pour into your life. And it is not that God is reluctant. And so often we start to get into this view of that because we keep coming and asking for certain things and we're like way off from where God's moving and where he's headed. And so as we miss what he's all about, we're like, why are you not doing this? And then we start saying words like, Prayer doesn't work, and, uh, or God doesn't want to, and uh, man, it just, everybody say it's not that. It's not that. We're missing where God is moving and where God is heading, and our prayer is heading off in a direction where it's all about this thought or view we had, not what God's plan is all about. So our job is to lay hold of a number of things to keep us on track. Our job is to lay hold, and so let's just go back through some of the Different passages that we've talked about, right? So laying hold of our weakness, first and foremost. Man, getting what we're struggling with and turning that over to God. Laying hold of our weakness. Maybe it's a need you've got. Maybe it's a prayer that you have, a struggle that you're going through. Maybe it's a sin you're struggling with or a temptation that's crushing you. Man, let the weakness you're experiencing drive you to your knees before your God. All right, lay hold of your weakness. And the next week after that, we talked about laying hold of the Holy Spirit. Yes, our weakness. Yes, his power. Yes, his glory. The Holy Spirit transforms us from one degree of glory to the next. May we come to him and long for him. May we get to know him and all that he does in our life as he guides and leads and directs and heals. Man, let your weakness drive you on your knees. May you meet the glory and the power of the Almighty God and the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about companionship, praying together. We are not all individuals in this room just on our own little journey. We also have a journey together corporately as we pray for one another, as we rally around each other. We have impact groups where we rally together and we spend the last portion of each impact group all over this church praying for each other, longing for God to do a work. It is essential that we rally together, right? And so a huge part of prayer is being real with others and letting them pray for you. Uh, our weakness, the Holy Spirit's power, companionship or partnership in that. And then laying hold of the word, scripture. And make sure that you are walking through the word. I love this statement from the book, Victorious Praying, where he said, the word literally becomes your guide in prayer. So now you are ending up being directed by the word in your prayer. May the words you pray back to God be words he's already given you. No more assurance of an answer yes than saying, hey God, you're saying you're about this. Could we be doing this? 
And God's like, yeah, that's exactly where I'm going. And make sure you know God's word and you're praying it back to him. And so laying hold of your weaknesses, your needs, your hurts, your temptations, letting the Holy Spirit pour into you, laying hold of the Spirit, companionship, scripture, and then laying hold of the gospel. We talked about where we confidently enter the throne room, where we can draw near to the throne of grace. Remember when we were in Hebrews 4? And man, be careful, because as quickly as you talk about discipline and purpose in prayer, discipline in prayer, we start getting into this attitude of like, I gotta muscle it, I gotta make it happen. But really the statement is, may we have confidence in the awesomeness of our God and to who Jesus Christ is as our great high priest. Prayer, it's a privilege we have to come before him. And then we talked about fasting. Lord, may I set aside some of the daily needs I have and take time to pray with you. Laying hold of fasting. And, uh, and then last week we jumped into 1 Samuel chapter one, and we talked about laying hold of waiting. When we have this hurt or this want or this desire or this concern, and we begin to pray out, and God has not given a yes, and God has not given a no, and we're in hang on mode, right? And oftentimes we can find ourselves in that spot. And uh, true waiting, the art of waiting is waiting for the yes or the no, and then moving on. And God gives his answer in due time. Everybody just say those three words with me. In due time. And God's got a plan. He's working it to completion. Trust him and hang on. Wait well. Right? And so that's where we've been on this journey so far as we talk about prayer laying hold. Today we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, the follow-up to chapter 1, and where Hannah was longing for these answers to prayer and the struggle of longing for a child and having Samuel and being able to turn him over to Eli the priest to be able to become one of the great prophets in Israel. And, and uh, Hannah had some thoughts about that, and she had just a power prayer in chapter 2. And so uh, we're going to talk today about laying hold of praise laying hold of praise, in the yes and in the no, laying hold of praise. Even in the waiting, laying hold of praise. This is a, just an awesome praise prayer, and we're going to walk it through here and learn from her, all right? So here we go, laying hold of praise, 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. The first point here is exalt the God of your salvation. Exalt the God of your salvation. And I'm just telling you, it's pretty easy for us to hear that phrase and let it wash past. And, and uh, the word salvation can kind of get tucked down under, right? It's hidden at the back end. It's underneath a preposition. And uh, it's just the God of our salvation. Like, it's just a title. But I'm just telling you, our prayer and our praise will be so fueled when we grasp salvation and what we have in him. It's a huge part of praise. And so here we go. It says, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Hannah prayed, my heart exalts in the Lord. 
She's like, I feel this joy welling up. It's spilling over. I'm celebrating him. I have this huge thankfulness within me. I cannot wait to share it with him. Lord, you are awesome. And just so you know, power praise is to your God, not just about your God. Right? You're talking with him very personally, and you're sharing with him all that he's doing, and you're saying, thank you, Lord. You are so awesome. I see you in this, Lord. I'm trusting you in this. And she says, I exalt the Lord. Notice it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? In the Old Testament, whenever you see Lord and it's all in caps, that means actually the personal name of God was used, Yahweh. And so literally here it says, for my heart exalts in Yahweh. The one I can trust in who is my hope. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Again, in Yahweh. My horn is exalted. And what does that mean? Well, animals that had horns, they actually used those for strength and for fighting. And so the horn often represented strength in the metaphors that they would use. And she's like, my strength comes from the Lord. He's the one who got me through this. This has been a heartache. All along, and in fact, as I'm walking away even now, remember as she's leaving her probably about three-year-old son with Eli the priest, and walking away, she's praying this prayer. And you are my strength, God. I'm trusting in you. And, uh, she says, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. My mouth derides my enemies. And... Uh, you're like, hang on, I thought we were supposed to love our enemies. And uh, how is this true while we're loving our enemies? And just note, it says, because I rejoice in your salvation. And here's where the salvation word comes in, right? She's like, you are my hope. I have everything because of you. I have nothing without you. You are my God. We know now when we talk of salvation, Romans chapter 10 we believe that Jesus Christ, he has gone to the cross and died. But more than that, he is risen from the dead. He is alive. He has power. He has authority. He is our king. He is our hope. And we have salvation in him as we believe. It says, if you believe and confess him as Lord, you will be saved. And all of God's people said, and it does not say you might be saved doesn't say that. It says you will be. There is assurance through belief and confession. There is assurance of salvation. And uh, we can celebrate that salvation. And man, I'm just telling you, as we stand next to our God and we're like, you are awesome. And your salvation is amazing. And what I have in you is so undeserved, God. And I celebrate you. When the enemies begin to cast dispersion at God, mock Jesus Christ, refuse to accept what's going on, and they're belittling salvation, it's in those moments we are allowed to take a very clear stand that we are with our God and we are with his love and his plan. And uh, hear me, it is not love, everybody say not, it is not love to stand next to a person and say, look, everything you're believing is a train wreck and it's going to crush you, but I'm not going to tell you because that might hurt your feelings, right? And I'm not going to stand there and I am going to stand for the truth. And she's like, I'm just telling you, God, I stand with you and anybody that stands against your salvation, I will make it clear they're in a very wrong position against you. I love you, Lord. 
You are my hope and my king. And uh, it's a huge deal. It says there is none holy like the Lord. No one is perfect. No one is set apart unique like Yahweh. There was no one in the universe like our God. And man, as you go to your God in prayer, and as you go to praise him, please recognize that you aren't just talking to another guy. This is the creator God of the universe who creates by the spoken word and everything stands as it is because of him. This is your God. He is utterly perfect and glorious. And you have the privilege with confidence to enter the throne room of grace and pray to him and talk to him. There is none like the Holy Lord. There is none besides you. Notice how our prayer goes. There is none like the Lord, third person. There is none like you, second person. Bringing it in personal. You is much more personal. Make sure you're using the word you in your prayer time. And it's not just about some God out there. It's about this personal God you're talking to right then and there. Being able to praise and lift him up and celebrate him and lift up all that he's done. She says, there is no rock like our God. And the metaphor of a rock, like this place you could anchor a ship on, this place you could put your foot on and be safe and secure, the place you could climb up on to get away from enemies, there is security in the rock. And there is no rock like my God. And no one stands like he stands for me. I trust in you, God. You have to remember that Hannah has come through quite the journey. And Hannah's statement very simply is, you are unbelievable. And I worship you. And I praise you. My heart is overflowing with a joy and a happiness and a satisfaction in the, in the, in the salvation that I have in you. Salvation, man. And... Uh, Hey, we're just, we're not going deep, we're going, not just going deep, we're going gospel deep, right? That comes from our Roman series from way back, and just don't forget, gospel deep, man, it is all over the scripture, and salvation is the essential first part of our praise and our prayer. God, you are awesome, and I have nothing without you. I love you. Right Before we ever get to any needs, before we get to any issues, Lord, may I thank you well and thoroughly for all that you have done and have been doing and will be doing for me. You are awesome. And uh, we're not just going deep, we're going true praise prayer. We'll go gospel deep and look into salvation in your soul and all that you have in your God. You know, this past week, we ended up having a retreat for our um, junior high and high schoolers. And uh, we had about 130 kids that went out on a retreat. And uh, they had a great time up north in Wisconsin. And, and uh, we're enjoying time together, laughing together and joking together and uh, learning together and growing together. And uh, man, if you've got a junior high and high school kid and they weren't a part of that retreat, write it down. You don't want to miss it. They're going to be a couple times a year. Make sure you're in it. And uh, just a huge time of uh, laughter and joy that these kids had and learning together, like I said, along the way. But more than that, 
Um, there was an opportunity for gospel that was shared out on uh, Saturday night. And um, hear me, man, six kids came to trust Christ as Savior. Praise God. Amen. And, uh, four junior hires, two high schoolers who were like, I'm in. I believe. I believe that he has risen from the dead. I confess him as my Lord. I am in. And they were saved and they're trusting Christ. Six kids whose lives, whose eternities are completely different now. Praise be to God. And uh, man, one of the kids, I was actually talking to one of our uh, student coordinators and was getting the story on the backside. And he said, yeah, actually last summer in uh, the retreat that they went on up to Moody where they learned how to share the gospel out on the streets. Uh, at the end of it, they were challenged, hey, write down a few names that you can be praying for that could come to trust Christ. Pray even for ways that um, you might be a part of it or that others might be able to come in and share, but be praying that God move there and just see what God does. So uh, one of the people that wrote down a name there was at that retreat and one of the persons that accepted Christ was at that retreat and accepted and answered to prayer. They're now saved and their eternity is set. Praise be to God. Amen. amen. Hear me, man. Do not. Amen. Do not take salvation lightly. It is utterly essential to our eternity. Lord God, may you be celebrated. And we thank you for what you're doing in my life. And I thank you for what you're doing in my friend's life, for my brother or sister's life, for my family's life. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you're doing. And it's a huge deal that we grasp salvation and we bring it with all we've got. So, hey, simple question. Do you grasp the greatness of salvation in general? Are you saved? Do you believe and confess? Are you in? Man, are you willing to continually reflect on that in your prayer time and say, God, I am stunned. I don't deserve this. You are awesome. I praise your name. Exalt your God of salvation. He's reaching out to you. And all of God's people said, that's the first part of praise. We will have killer praise when we grasp salvation and go after it with all we've got. Number two, lift high your God who is all-knowing, just, and sovereign in his rule. Lift high your God who is all-knowing, just, and sovereign in his rule. Starting in verse three here now, Hannah says, still in her prayer, Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. And uh, remember, Hannah is now praying, and she's like kind of even praying out now about those who are speaking against God. And she's like, uh, Lord, may they stop talking proudly. And uh, talk not proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. In other words, Lord, may their lips stop spewing self-greatness. Could that please stop because you alone are great? And, and Lord, may they stop celebrating self and making much of themselves. And it says, 
Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The Lord is a God of knowledge. He knows all things. He knows all things. And uh, he knows how many things? Do you believe that? Like he knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what your vision is. He knows what your purpose is. He knows where you're headed. He knows where you were. He knows everything that is. He knows everything that will be. In fact, he knows everything that could have been. He knows everything. And uh, it says, and he weighs our actions. Yikes. And uh, we stand before God needing to give account. And uh, here's the beautiful part, though. If you've trusted in Christ as Savior, know this. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. The Holy Spirit, he is given as a guarantee of our inheritance. When we are saved, there is not a chance for losing that because God is doing something we didn't deserve anyway, right? So then what is at hand here? Well, know this. Paul's pretty clear in 1 Corinthians. He's like, hey man, there can be a loss of reward. There can be a loss of privilege. There can be a loss of experience here on this earth and in eternity. We don't know all of what that looks like, but we do know this. God does reward those who are following him. And there is penalty for holding back. And so we as believers, we truly can be missing out, man. Know this. Our privilege and our joy is to run to him and to serve him and to worship him. Don't lose out. And man, may tomorrow be more glorious because you're with your God, not bragging about yourself. And all of God's people said, that was a great time for an amen, right? I'm just telling you, not bragging on me, bragging on my God, and may my life be better because of it. May we go after a life that looks like that. For those who haven't trusted in Christ, and they're trying to stand before a holy God based on their merit alone. And that doesn't work. And uh, there is eternal separation from God as a part of it. There is hell that is a part of that saying, I will stand on my own. Just so you know, there isn't one person in hell saying, boy, I really didn't want to be here. Every moment there is, I would never stand with you. Shaking a fist at God. And uh, there is an eternal distance there because of it. Man, this is a huge deal that our actions are weighed. Know this. When we come to our God, he is a holy, all-knowing God. How appropriate for us to be on our knees, right? And uh, All right, it says, some words here now that uh, God is a part of. God is actually sovereign and in charge. And so let's just say, as we transition from what he just said, what she just said, into what will be said, know these words. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he will lift you up. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Man, if you walk in the room and assert your position, that's a bad plan, right? Walk in the room and find the low spot and let God call you up. That's the plan. 
And uh, very clear in Scripture, we humble ourselves under His mighty hand and we let Him exalt in His timing. And that's the plan. So now Hannah starts going through some uh, examples of God sovereignly in charge. Notice she says here, The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. The bows of the mighty are broken. In other words, their strength, their source of strength and power is taken but the feeble bind on strength. And uh, everybody just say, God's doing that. That's her point on each of these now. God's doing that. So get ready. You're going to say that phrase out loud, very loud. God's doing that. Say it with me. God's doing that. Okay, here we go. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. God's doing that. And they're like, just so you know, dependence on yourself and thinking you have it all in hand, hang on, because God does humble the proud and he exalts the humble. And she's like, hey, God is going to be bringing provision in the long run. God has it in hand. And uh, the barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. And God's doing that. And uh, what does it mean, the Barren has borne seven. Well, seven is kind of that perfect number of God. It's like the barren one falling under the precious hand of God and being able to experience provision. And and some of you have experienced that where you're able to then have kids at a later time. That was Hannah's story. And others, you're moving a different direction, but God is blessing as you're headed towards maybe it's um, adoption or or some kind of caring for a child in a short to midterm. And you're like, God, I have a calling to this world and I am going to be your heart in this world for these little lives. And whatever that looks like, God blessing in as you move with him and as you trust him along the way. And uh, it says, the Lord kills and brings to life. Dude, you so missed the uptake on that. (laughs) The Lord kills and brings to life. Right? The Lord kills and brings to life is a huge statement. And hey, just so you know, Isaiah 45, 7 does say that God is in charge of both the good and the calamity. If you're hearing phrases here you don't like hearing because it puts God near some things that are sounding negative, hang on, we're going to talk about that in just a second, okay? But make sure you grasp God is sovereign over all. And uh, it says, he brings down to Sheol and he raises up. Man, God's doing that. Each one of these things God is in charge of. The Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. Right? And you're like, I hope he makes me rich. Right? And uh, the Lord makes poor and the Lord makes rich. And he brings low and he exalts. And just so you know, that's like the ultimate summary of all of these. And he brings low those who are standing pridefully on their own. And he exalts those who are humbly standing with him. And what does it look like? To be uh, exalted by God. It looks different for each person. And God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And so we lean on him and we trust in him in the midst. And uh, it says in the middle here of uh, the low are brought up and the high are brought down. It says he raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. 
This is Hannah in her prayer. God, I long and I celebrate this fact that you take the hurting one and you lift him up and you put him in a seat of honor. And why is she saying that with such tenderness? Because that's where she's been. Don't forget her story from chapter one, right? As she's walking through and she's experiencing this regular attack from this other wife in the home, Penina, and this horrible treatment of and the nasty things that she has to experience over years. And she's like, I was so low. And you have raised me up. And you do that for the poor. And amen, as we praise our God, may we celebrate and recognize what he does for the poor in spirit, for the needy, and for the hurting. It says here, for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Man, that is an awesome phrase. For the pillars of the world are the Lord's. Right? The pillars are his. He owns the very foundations, and then he takes this earth and he sets it on it. How big does that make God when he's taking the world? It's like a Nerf ball to him, right? And he's setting it up on these pillars, and he's holding it in place. He runs everything. He has all power, all knowledge, all goodness. That's our God. You're like, well, hang on. I see some kind of rough things going on here, and how does that work? And so let's just go back to this illustrate. We used this a couple years back, but it's really good when we're talking through the sovereignty of God, right? If God is not sovereign over all, God is not sovereign at all, right? We've said that a number of times. If he's not sovereign over all, he's not sovereign at all. It's not sovereignty if you're sovereign over some of it, right? Everybody gets that, right? Sovereign means all of it, okay? And so we have this sovereign God. So what's the right way to understand it? Picture a rope and a giant pulley up in heaven, right? We're going to take the rope and throw it up over the pulley and it comes down and it's on either side. And on the one side is God's sovereignty and on the other side is man's responsibility. And both of those are together connected somehow. And so we're called out in scripture like believe and confess and you will be saved. Man's responsibility. But know this, it also says very clearly that the father draws and whom he draws will come. God's sovereignty right? God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, and the two work together. If you ever let go of one of them, like say you just grab onto God's sovereignty and pull the rope, it all comes tumbling down. It isn't just all about God's just a dictator and an authority and he just drives it and there is no working of your heart and soul in it. Or you could let go of God's sovereignty and just grab man's responsibility and pull and it all comes tumbling down. Because it isn't just all about what we do and God isn't in charge. And uh, it's neither of those. It's the both and. And God is so sovereign over all. And both the good and the calamity run through his hand. God basically makes happen. He allows some things to happen. And he disallows other things to happen. God is in charge. He makes. He allows. He disallows. God is in charge. And in the allowing and disallowing, there is a working with man's will, man's responsibility in that. And so don't worry about figuring out all the details. The pulley is in heaven, right? It's for God to figure out how that all plays together. But know this, while we are called to a responsibility, God is in charge. 
Don't lose sight of that. That'll change your prayer life as you start coming to him and it's not like, God, I don't know why I'm doing it and I don't know why they're doing it and there is no hope. These people are all ding-dongs and everything's going amok and God is in charge. Everybody just say it with me. God is in charge. It'll change your praise and prayer life. Make sure you recognize that he's over it all and he makes and he allows and he disallows. Okay. So, uh, in the past few months here, I, uh, I got a new laptop. Uh, I've had a laptop for about five and a half years, and dude, that laptop weighed a ton. Five and a half year old laptop. It was carrying the mail. It was still doing good. I do a lot of, most of my study in a week is on uh, my laptop. I've got some tools there, so I use that to do my studying each week to prep for preaching, and it was time I needed a new laptop to be able to get a little bit of speed and some more memory with it. And so I got this new laptop, learning how to work it. There's some changes with it. And one of the things that's come up is the new web browser on it uh, tries to give you fair warning of things that are going on you may not know about or want to have happen. And so as I go to a web page, it's like, hey, just so you know, uh, there's an access trying to be made now to this plugin. And then it, it has three words. It says, or three little buttons to press, and uh, let me make sure I get the the buttons exactly right here. It says, never trust, I love that moment. You're like, what? Never, right? Never trust, uh, not trust now, trust. Those are my choices. I see it probably a dozen times a day as it pops up with some flash plugin or whatever being accessed, and it's like, never trust, not trust now, or trust. I'm like, no, I know where I'm at. I'm on a good website. This is cool. I appreciate it. Trust, right? And we go on through and I do some, hey, just so you know, in life, each moment of each day, your heart is bringing up that same check to you about your God. And it's like, hey, hang on. Do you know what just happened here? Do you understand? All right. Never trust. Not trust now. Or do you trust? And you need to make a decision about which button you're going to press. Where do you stand with your God? Trust? Are you in that moment where it says, hey, 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 do you trust him? And you're like, I don't know. I got to think about this one. Maybe you're in the, not now. This hurts too bad. I do not trust you right now. Or maybe you're in the never. I will put it in my hands. Man, here's my request. Learn to trust your God. One step at a time, seeing his greatness in front of you, learn to click the trust button, okay? And I'm just telling you, God, he is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And he is all-good. The moment we're not clicking the trust button, we're doubting one or more of those three things. All-knowing, all-powerful, all-good. Which one is it that you're not trusting if you refuse to click the button? Make sure your walk with your God is a walk of trust. 
you will find your praise to be lifting up his sovereignty. You will find your prayer time to be so powerful because your God has it in hand. In each moment, you're like, God, I can't even begin to get what's going on here. And I'm okay with that. Trust. You've got this. You've got it in hand. All right. Simple question. So what are you struggling with that's making you not want to click trust? What is it that's raising up with you and you're like, I just, I just can't do it? Make sure you hold on to that as we now walk through this third part and bring it to a close. Here we go. Point number three. Place your hope in him alone. Place your hope in him alone. Verse nine, it says, he will guard the feet of his faithful ones. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. I'm just gonna stop with that phrase. Please note that the hope is in those who are faithful to our God. The hope is in our God and who he is And as we stand by him, we stand in a good spot. And then it says, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. Man, it is not a good plan to decide to take this world by storm yourself. Right? Everybody just say that's a bad plan. It is. It's a terrible plan to self-assert. Lord, I'm trusting you. And it says, for not by might shall a man prevail. I'm not sure if there's a better t-shirt to be made than that. For not by might shall a man prevail. It makes you even stop and think because of where the negative is. For not by might shall a man prevail. In other words, it ain't going to go well for you if you're just putting your strength, your strength out there, your might. It's not going to go well. And not by might. Your works don't get it done. Let that settle. Because most of us are like, if you've been around church for a while, you're like, well, yeah. Right, right. But are you living that way? Your works don't get it done. Christ's work on the cross, God's mercy and grace in, we have nothing because of us, we have everything because of him. Praise be to God. And the wicked, that means one who does not trust or believe in Jesus Christ, is in a very bad spot. It says, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. And uh, let's make sure we make this clear. The God of the universe is a God of love. God is love. Everybody say, God is love. And at the same time, he takes a hard stand against rebellious, selfish sin. We've got to get that, man. It's the same God. You're like, how is that love? I'm just telling you this. It is absolutely love and loving to this world, to his character, for God to stand on righteousness and holiness. 
And if you see love as being separate from goodness, we have a major problem going on. If somehow you're like, well, I, I, guess, I, I guess I think that what's going to happen is you can't punish anything if you're going to love them. Good luck in your parenting. Right, we don't really believe that, do we? And we actually discipline in love. And we actually take care of things in love. We will speak to what's wrong. And in fact, for God to actually work out the best for his character, for those that are trusting in him, God will take a hard stand against sin. And he hasn't set down his love in the midst. God is still love. You're like, I don't know if I see how love and wrath pour out together. That's for a whole nother sermon, isn't it? But hear me, man, the complexity of your God. God is love, and he's pouring in the care, and he will absolutely hold accountable. And man, the good news for us is while we're standing with him and this world may feel like it is a train wreck and a tragedy to you, know this, God will be just. In the end, it will all work out fully just. That's our God. And he has a plan. Lean on him and trust in him in the midst. And uh, it's a huge deal for us to lean on this. It says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. If you remember back to the beginning, Hannah started out and she said, you give my horn strength. And she ends it with, you give even the rulers and the kings, you give their horn strength. You are the God who's in charge. You are ruling this world. And, um, and so, yes, even in the moment, as all the elections have taken place and wherever you stand on who's currently president and what's going on internationally, know this, God has a plan. And all of God's people said, Amen. lean on him. Trust him. Praise him. Worship him. Know this. God says, I am holy and righteous, and I love you with all I've got. We choose to walk away. He says, I will reach in with all I have and pour it out for you. Jesus Christ comes to the cross. It says that he declares his light to the world. This love of God declared out to the world. We resist. We walk away. We need to hear preachers bringing it. We need to hear the Holy Spirit challenging and convicting. The Father drawing. All those pieces are part of it as people start coming to trust in him. That is a God work from beginning to end. Amazing what God is doing in our soul. God has a plan. And from the beginning where he started out and it looked like it was all going awry, he will bring it to conclusion. And his glory will be number one. It will be all about his glory for all of eternity. We will be praising him, worshiping him, and celebrating him. Our God will get his just praise. And all of God's people said, man, let's bring it. We have a job. In the meantime, right now, bring your praise. Do not pull up short. Do not let him have to go without Bring your God what he's due. He is in charge. He is sovereign. 
He is love, and he has a plan. We are trusting in you with all we've got. That's what it looks like to get on our knees in the midst of a problem. We don't come in with the fist shaking and saying, what are you thinking? We come in saying, God, I have no clue what you're doing. Trust button is being clicked. I'm in. May you get all the glory. That is what it looks like to lay hold of praise. Let's go to prayer.